Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Passing Dimes, or welcome to, and I'm really excited for today's guest. He's already accomplished so much, and he's still got a bright future ahead of him. So today's guest has been the OUA West Player of the Year. He's two-time Windsor-Lancer Athlete of the Year. He's a second-team All-Canadian. He's represented Canada at FISU Games. He's currently with Team Canada at the NEP program. Grew up in that awesome Chatham area for sports and played club for LBC. And I had to cut his bio short because I just want to get to the interview. So please welcome to the show, Pierce Johnson. Pierce, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. I've uh, been a big fan of the podcast, so I'm happy I can finally get on it. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on because I know you're you're busy and you're in Gatineau right now, and we'll get to that in a second. But where we usually like to start is just how people get into volleyball and, and doing some research for the show. The Chatham area is a good sports area, and they're pretty proud of you. There's a ton of articles. There's a lot going on there. So I'm curious, what did you grow up playing, and when did you make the switch to be like a full-time volleyball guy? Yeah, it was interesting. Like Chatham is one is a great area to come from. Like There's just so much support. I get from that and it's I can't thank that area enough for for it but um yeah I kind of like was one of those kids I just kind of like to be active and do things so I just kind of like tried to like you know anytime after school I would go do that sport go to another sport and uh, I didn't really find volleyball until around the eighth grade and that was the first like club tryout year for our area for like 14U and so I'm like you know what I'll give it a try like I've liked school volleyball and you know I had a I was a middle back then because <laughs> it was like I was one of the taller ones on the team. And that was just kind of like the the format, right? If you're tall, you go in the middle. And so that's kind of how it started. And then slowly, as like I got older, grade 9, grade 10, I kind of started to like drop a sport. And then by like grade 11 and 12, it was just kind of like I realized that like volleyball was my sport. And so I kind of just like put everything else off and put all my chips into volleyball. Nice. And were you a Ballhawks guy to start then in that Chatham area? I think uh, Randy Bartlett had a big uh, hand in that program for a while. Melissa Bartlett started there before she got the Western gig. Like, uh, I think volleyball has always been popular, but uh, which high school did you end up going to? Yes, I was a Ballhawk uh, from 14U to 17U. And then uh, I went to Chatham Kent High School. Oh, so a lot of people who know Ontario high school scene just kind of rolled their eyes, I think, because uh, I think Chatham Canada is like a rival for a lot of people. And the reason I say that when I moved to Toronto and I started coaching with Upper Canada College, it felt like every year at OFSA, we would play them either in pool or in a playoff match. So it felt like a rivalry because it was always meaningful. And I remember after one game, we were we were lucky we beat them to win our pool. And I'm walking off the court with one of our players who's just like happy and over the moon, we beat Chatham Ken and I caught the eye of another teacher at a school and he kind of, I, I 
kind of apologized, being like, oh, sorry, like that was very professional. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. We don't even say Chatham Kent in our gym. And he was an Oak Ridge coach, right? So it just sounds like you guys have rivalries with different schools all over the province. So what was it like in that program? Because you guys are going to tournaments, you're playing meaningful matches, you're, you're maybe hated or loved in different parts. So how did you like the volleyball scene there? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that, that is, that was a big part of why I like started to grow into volleyball so much was because of all the tournaments we did. So I got to kind of see a lot of like, you know, big players and stuff and our team. And I, I, I think this is the right number up until the year after I left high school, Chatham Kent had made it to 17 straight offices. Wow. Which, I mean, you know, the Swasa region I'm from, like, it's not the strongest region for volleyball, but I mean, 17 in a row is pretty impressive. So yeah, being a part of that was really cool. The that is definitely the vibe though that I get from a lot of players. That, like now that talking to them, they're like, "Yeah, we hated your school. <laughs> they they hated us. They wanted to beat us. They hated when we beat them." And it, it did have to do with a little bit of our coaches. You know, they were I don't know how to put this nicely. They were a little. They were like they like were little nudge pushers. You know, they would they would bother people just enough where they wouldn't do anything about it, but like it would get under their skin. Yeah, I've definitely felt that where I I think in the moment things would get heated but afterwards i kind of admire it because like the like you said the consistency and the competitiveness of the program that looking back like rivalries are fun but sometimes in the moment it's really hard to see that and and appreciate it yeah yeah for sure (laughs) so sweet man yeah so was that when you really thought volleyball could be at a high level because like you said maybe your region wasn't the strongest so regular season wasn't always meaningful but going to different tournaments and seeing other guys around the province like did that start to affect you that knowing that you could play at the next level because you've competed against so many good players around the province? Well, it's kind of funny because when I it was it kind of goes back to like when I was in 14U and I remember Canada was hosting a uh, a weekend tournament against Finland and uh, I can't remember the other team, but I was watching the Finland game, the senior team on TV. I remember seeing like, oh man, like I want to do that. Like that that is so cool. Like seeing these like big like Gavin Schmidt and those like Gord Perrin and those guys. I was like, they look, like that looks look so cool. And then I remember in 17U, uh, so it was my grade 11 year, uh, James Gravel came to one of our high school games and like approached me. He's like, hey, like I just wanted to like, reach out. Like if you wanted to cut, like we're thinking of university, like um, we'd love to have you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, like maybe this could be like a thing. Like, I don't know. Like, like so I was like, it kind of like slowly and like every year there'd be like a, a different thought that would come in my head. Like, okay, maybe I can do university. Maybe, you know, my third year, I'm like, okay, maybe pro is not like a unrealistic option for me. And like, so I kind of kept like, like readjusting kind of like my view of like what was possible for volleyball. Nice. Yeah. It's great to hear that. And I'm wondering, did that contribute to kind of your decision and, and probably your family had a big influence on this to, to make the trip to London to play your 18U? Because that's, that's a little bit of a commute, right? And obviously being a part of a special team at LBC that was pretty strong, but uh, obviously that's a tough decision to be doing that two to three times a week to travel like that, right? Yeah, it was. That was a, I, I had to work on my dad for was it, about a, over a year because it was <laughs> the reason I went to LBC was uh, for my Winter Games team I was on. It was almost... It was me and two other guys, and then the rest of the team was the LVC team. So it was basically their team was the regional team. And so I played with them that, that, at that Winter Games, and I remember talking to David Doty and Taylor Jordan. They're like, yeah, like you should like you should come like play with us. And so I like went to my parents. I'm like, oh, like, please, can I go to like London? And they're like, well, no, that's because like, now that's basically a two-year commitment for 17U and 18U. Like, that's a lot. 
and like I just don't think we can do it right now. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like played my 17 year year, and um, the difference between club volleyball in Chatham and high school is astronomical. I don't know what the what the difference is, but there's just not the draw to club volleyball. So our team just isn't. They weren't like that like committed group or anything that we had our high school team. So we'd be like a they'd be satisfied with like a division two medal. Whereas like that just like I I wanted to I'd rather like lose in the quarters than win like a division two uh tier. You know, uh, win losing the quarters in tier one, obviously. But they didn't see it that way. So I was just I got really frustrated. And so I finally like went to my parents and like, please for my last year, can I can I try to like do good and like you know like, i think this will really help my development and they're like you know what i think like this is more of a, a realistic option now so yeah let's let's do it nice and what was it like being in that gym because you mentioned like david Doty, taylor jordan and, and pardon me i know i'm forgetting a few guys but really strong team that you guys were for sure a quarterfinal team or higher in a really strong age group because i was at least like that year and we had adam child and barnsey and a few other guys uh i mean thomas sora and the pacman guys with schwan obviously being probably the best player in the age group and rudd was at preds and there was just so many good players like danon and his titans guys like i'm, I'm forgetting guys that i keep talking uh Tariq and the storm guys like there's so many good players in that age group so what was it like being on a top team but knowing that every game was going to be meaningful at that premier division it was the first tournament kind of blew me away. It was, uh, I remember it was at the Velodrome in Milton and I was just like, kind of like sitting around, like looking at all these teams and I'm like, holy crap. Like I played you, everyone like kind of individually and I've seen you all at provincials, but I'm like, I've never been at like a premier tournament during like the like regular tournaments. And I was like, this is pretty crazy. And I was like, I was kind of like taken away by it and I was like, okay, well now I'm here. Like I gotta play. I gotta, we gotta, we gotta forget everything that I was just thinking. We gotta we gotta play a game, but it was it was really cool to train with guys that that wanted to go to the next level because I hadn't really done that before. And you know, we had, we had a bunch of guys on the LVC team who went on to play like Dave Hanover, went to go set at Guelph, like uh, Doty at Mac, and Taylor went to uh, Ryerson for a year, and then Fanshawe. So like it was a group that was like you know, it was there was a high standard of practice and if you weren't at that high standard like guys would bring you back up to it so it was it was really fun to train with them. Nice and I'm curious uh, credit to Coach Gravel for kind of getting eyes on you first and doing the high school route to get your attention there but now that you're in this club world and playing at a top team did any other universities really catch your eye that you considered or were you thinking that that Coach Gravel in Windsor was going to be the spot for you pretty early on in your uh, recruiting process? Yeah, so Gravel was definitely the, um, the first one. And then after in my grade 12 year, I saw more interest. Uh, since I was training, uh, we trained at Western for LBC once a week. So I talked to Jim Sage a bit for Western and I went on a recruiting trip there. And then another one was uh, York was my other option because my cousin was on the team, Andrew Shoppold. Oh, no way. I didn't know you guys were cousins. That's awesome. We've had him on yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah, cousins. So uh, second cousins, but we like, we just say we just say cousins because it's close enough. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we didn't we didn't actually we didn't meet until we were at a, a, a the Waterloo high school tournament, and we I beat his Bill Crothers team in the semis, and my dad walked up to me. He was does that jersey say Shot Bolt on the back of it? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, that's your second cousin. <laughs> no way, that's awesome. Yeah, but um, so yeah, like I got recruited a little bit a little bit by York. And it was like I went on the recruitment trips to like Western New York, and it was it was good. Like I had a good time, but there was just something about Windsor and Gravel that I was just like, "This is right. This is the fit." Like 
it was just I couldn't speak to it. It was just like an un, unspoken voice in my head saying, like, you need to go here. Yeah, and I, I'm going to choose my words carefully here because I don't mean it as a slight, but uh, with some Team Ontario programs, sometimes coaches just sit at the table and eat. And I remember chatting with Jimmy L. Turk, and he found being a Windsor guy, the hardest thing was to get guys on campus. That Once you get them there, like it's a beautiful campus, good facilities, things like that. But sometimes people just hear Windsor and they don't want to go there. So I'm wondering with your recruiting process where they got you, uh, Nolan Langley, Adam Child, like these guys all entered at the same time. Like, what did you get the sense of, of the recruiting trip? Like, what made it feel like it was going to be the spot for you versus maybe another school like Western has a more of a reputation and a campus and all that stuff, right? Like, what, what was the, the, the seal the deal moment for you in Windsor? So for me, there was two things. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a terrible student, but I'm not the strongest student. student so Gravel was um, really big on me with like, you know, academics definitely are first. Like, whatever help you need, we can get you here and, he showed me all the services and everything that are available. But then it was just kind of like the, he brought me into his office with my parents after. And it was like, hey, like, whatever you want to do in this sport, I will, I will, I'll do that. I'll be there to help you, if, whether it's just university, a degree, whether it's pro, whether it's whatever, I'll do it so that you can do it. And I was just like, holy crap, like, this, this guy is like really invested in me. And so I'm like, I don't see how I could go anywhere else. And I, I think it was the same with um, Adam and Nolan. Because, like, you know, we we all had our issues between the three of us, right? Like, Nolan is one of the most undersized setters, I think, in the country. But also, he, he runs an offense like no one I've ever seen before. Um, Adam was was under-recruited, too. Like, and so was I. And it was just, we all just kind of found, like, that Gravel was, like, on our side and that he was like, he want, he wanted us there. Whereas like other schools were more like, yeah, we'd, we'd like to have you. Like, it'd, it'd be nice. But girls like, no, like I want you guys here. Like, I think we can, we can change the, the culture of the program we have with your recruiting class. And that's kind of what ended up happening was with our recruiting class with uh, also Dami Alade and Mark Pino. And then uh, the two, the, the second years above us, Roland Bouchard and Brad Jemmy. Yeah, I was thinking that because Windsor has had like flashes on the radar. Like Dave Quinn was a great player there at Windsor. And I think um, Kyle Williamson, if I'm remembering correctly, like he was a solid player there. And uh, even Jake McNeil's team made like a final four one year. But it was always kind of like an up and down thing where it felt like when you guys got a click in with Moat and those other guys, like it really took off and you guys were competitive your your whole career with Windsor, right? So you being a first year arriving on campus, did you have your own expectations that you wanted to start and contribute or were you feeling it out? Like how was that first semester being a Lancer for you? It was interesting. It was uh, definitely I wanted to start. That was my, cause I, I mean, I had never like not really like started on a team before. So and I, and I knew I had to earn my spot, but I was like, you know what? There's, it seems like the slots are open. Like I, I think I could, if I work hard, I can get it. And I remember not, not starting the first game. And I was just like so devastated. And I, I don't know why, honestly, because like, you know, I'm a first year, I, I, but I was like, man, I wanted to play so bad. And then you, we played Guelph the next day because it's, it's those back-to-backs. And then I was like, all right, I'm not starting today. That's cool. Like, And then I had, to, I had to go with subbed in. And I remember like, getting subbed in and it, it felt like I had started. Like that, that felt cooler than I remember than my first start. I remember it was just like that first time I was in an OUA game. And I was like, all right, that, that was cool. Now I need to like, I like, finished the game we lost. 
we, we didn't win a lot of my first year. Um, and I was like, okay, well now I need to, I, I want to chase that feeling. So I just, I was like, okay, now it's like, what, what can I do? The are the controllables. So I was like, you know, workout gym. And those were kind of my big things to kind of like get the starting role. So that's big for Gravel is if you put the work in outside of practice, he sees that. And if it's, if it's that like, you know, I don't know who to start, he's going to go with the guy that's done, done more work outside of the gym. Yeah. I'm always curious when guys leave a good club team and a good high school program, what the jump is to university. Cause the, the load on the body has got to be pretty high. And obviously the school demands go up a little bit, you know, in university versus high school, or maybe I shouldn't say that, but I, I think they do. But, uh, how did you find just your time management and how your body felt? Like, were you tired the whole time in first semester? Cause you're doing these added workouts. You're trying to go full out of practice during that starting spot. Like was, was that a big jump going from an 18 year guy, maybe practicing two to three times a week to being like a full-time athlete with school commitments and, you know, living on your own and everything else that goes into being a university student. I for sure didn't have time management when I, when I got to university, it was, um, I did the classic, you know, first couple weeks, first like month and a half university is awesome, right? Like you don't have any assignments to do. You don't have any midterms. So you're really just like, you're going to class, practicing, working out. But then all of a sudden, like you get, you get like slammed with that, like two weeks of midterms and those assignments. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I remember I went to Grell once and I was like, I didn't handle my time. Well, I need, I need this practice off. I have an assignment to do tonight. He's like, that's okay. Like Grell was pretty cool with that. And they just kind of like called me in and he was like, Hey, like you, we need to like get you on a proper schedule so that you know what's due when, what's then I'm like, yeah, you're right. I do. And so that was kind of like the, the one blimp I had was that. And then he just kind of helped me out. Like wasn't mad, realized that school came first and was like, all right, just don't let it happen again, basically. And I'm, I'm curious as you're developing and you become a starter and you keep climbing the ladder, what was it like being named to FISU? Like, take me through that process of the first time you get to represent Canada. Like, what was the, was it a trial? Was it a selection? Like, did that really confirm all this work that you were putting in? Because, because getting on that roster is not an easy feat. And you being, were you second or third year when you were named to FISU? So was first year. First year even. So that, that's huge, right? So take me through that process of how you got on that roster. Yeah. So that was, I mean, I, I don't even know if any of the, the viewers will really know what FISU even is. I, I, cause I didn't. <laughs> until I, I I even got to Taiwan, that was crazy because I had heard Gravel was um, like named the coach, and so you know he emailed every coach in U Sports. I was like, hey, I'm the coach. If your players are interested, um, we're not having tryouts just because of the cost of FISU. It would just it, it's not like B team where you could like, you're gonna have guys like fly out to tryout. Um, so he was like, I'm gonna I'm just gonna send me film. I'm gonna pick a team. And so he said this, he said the same thing in like our group chat. I was like, anyone who wants to apply for this, um, can. So it was, um, so me and John Moat did, and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, I probably won't get selected. And then, um, I, I was, I like girl called me. He was like, Hey, I want you to be on the team with us. Like, I think you'll, you'll be a good like role player on like the bench. If you need to like come on and we need to do something. I'm like, okay, awesome. Yeah. It, I'm so in for that, but still knowing no idea. I thought this was just a volleyball tournament. And then we get there and it was the coolest thing I've ever done. It was like an Olympic village we were living in. It was crazy. 
Yeah, I love hearing you describe this because for our listeners, like FISU is a big deal, but because of the success of the men's program, obviously like the senior team, the B team, uh, even U21 has been really strong on both genders actually the last few years. Like the funding can only go so far. So it was really going to those three programs and even some Norseka teams. So there, there wasn't any funding for FISU. So you guys had to pay your own way, but that's still a chance to represent Canada. And like you said, it's, it's a multi-sport games and it's a big deal for a lot of countries. Yeah, it was by far the coolest, like those, like the two, like the Taiwan, Italy, like those were the coolest competitions I've ever been in. Like just like the, the fans in Taiwan and like the, the atmosphere in Italy was just incredible. Like it's, it's such a cool thing. And anyone who can, has the chance to do FISU, I would highly recommend it. Obviously, I don't think it'll happen this summer. Um, I think it was planned to be in uh, China. So I, I, I don't see it happening, but um, we'll see so yeah, take me through that first year roster. You mentioned Coach Gravel's there. Uh, who were some of the other players on the squad with you? So uh, it was uh, Lucas Coleman, Irvin Brar. So you know we had some some studded left sides. Uh, we had Gab Chancy, the Montreal setter, um, Sebastian Lethbridge. And then we had a couple of Nipissing boys. We had Cameron Branch, Warren Taylor, and Steve Wood. Um, we had the 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 of the B team setter, the B team lib last year, Jeremy Davies. And then it was also me on the left. And we had John Moat in the middle. Godfrey Trudell was a right side from Montreal. Nice. Yeah. And you mentioned the left sides there, just Coleman and Brard to spotlight two guys. And even Jeremy Davis is, is a pro and a good friend of the show. So lots of guys to learn from. And, and speaking to you before the show, we'll get into this a little bit later, but you're a big student of the game. So what was it like competing with those guys at practice, but also kind of like watching and seeing what they do and maybe having a chance to ask them questions? Like, what did you really take from from the first time you got to go to FISU? I honestly thought I was like a pest because I felt like I was like in <laughs> Urban's ear the whole time. Just being like, oh, I, like, why'd, you, why'd you do that? Like, where, like, what were you thinking there? Like, like all this stuff. And I was just like, and I was like, I was, man, I think I'm, this guy's going to like get so mad at me because I'm just asking him so many questions. And it was like the same with Coleman. Like I remember Coleman went to go back to serve at, we are playing UAE in the first game of the tournament. And we're down 19-14. We just like, the, the guys like, it wasn't forming yet. We didn't have a lot of training together. And we were supposed to like 3-0 this team pretty easily. So Coleman goes back to serve. We're, we're down 14-9. And he rings off all the serves to win 16-14. And I just go up to him after the game and I'm like, man, what were you thinking? He was like, as soon as I made the first one, they were all going in. I was like, <laughs> holy crap. Okay, so that's the confidence you need. Okay. And it was just so cool, like, learning. Like, the same thing with, with uh, Davies. Like, just, like, because he's such a good passer and I was so bad. It was like, what do you, like, what's your, like, stance? What's your, like, mentality? What's all this stuff? And so, like, kind of, like, every once in a while, like, it's nice that you get to room with them, too. So, you're not just talking in practice. But, yeah, I definitely was a chatterbox when I was there. Hello friends, a quick pause from this week's episode to give you a friendly reminder that partner of the show Club Jason is offering 25% off all orders when you use promo code GOLDENBOY at checkout. That's GOLDENBOY, all lowercase, all one word. Listeners in North America will also receive free shipping on any order over $99. Of course, Golden Boy is referring to the one and only Sabathorn Lethbridge who was on last week's show. If you haven't already, go back and download this episode to hear some amazing stories. Partner of the show, Club Jason, is devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who would benefit greatly from a little extra support. 
10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer, and an additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Check out Club Jason, C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out some amazing pullovers, polos, and hats. Club Jason, join the club. And did that help you take anything back to Windsor? Because one thing I had written down in my notes here is that it's not easy for somebody like you to kind of be the guy. Like, I think it's nice to have the praise and win the awards and stuff. But the to me, the toll that comes with that is every time somebody played Windsor, they were going to game plan for you. Like, and knowing the the volume you were getting, like there was going to be a specific game plan and they were going to try to figure out like what's his first choice, his second choice. So you're really trying to score with your third and fourth option sometimes, right? If they're really, you know, dialed in on you. So yeah. th- that experience, did that help you lead to kind of having that mentality and that Lucas Coleman confidence that like you're going to be the guy and if, if Windsor's going to win tonight, it's because you're going to have to play well. Yeah, like I, I remember coming back after that first VCU and... I didn't. I didn't play. I played one set against Iran, and it's because we were getting. They they went on to win the tournament, and we were getting absolutely slack. Like it was I mean, 25-14, and then twenty five twelve. It was they were good, and so I went in for that set. But that's all the volleyball I really played in game besides our practices there. So I didn't really work on skills that much but just watching the game and like you know, we went and watched all the other like the finals and the bronze medal game and I remember going back to the first practice in Windsor and I was like I get the game so much better now it was like I could see things differently and it was just like having that outside view and taking that it was it was almost like it felt like a break from volleyball but it was just a different view that I was used to and that second year for me was amazing like I was I was just doing things I didn't think I even I wouldn't even think of before. Like, it was just like, okay, well, I have a one-on-one. Instead of trying to hammer this ball, I'm just going to do a little soft tip because that's like, you know, Irv was great at that. He would show us a lot of heat, and then so the, bl- the blocker would drop across on him, and then he would just a little fountain tip over the side, and it would score. And before, I'd be like, I would just try to hammer, hammer, hammer. And so I was like, okay, this is, like, interesting. And so it was, it like, that experience helped me. It, it kind of, like, it was a huge stepping stone for me in my career. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot out of it. So when the the second opportunity came up for FISU, like were you just dialed in and ready to go? Was it the a similar style selection process for the second time you got to go to Italy? Yeah, so that one was I was I really wanted to go to Italy because I I was like I I've been the the you know the role player I've been on the bench I want I want to play I want to so I was like I was waiting for the coach to be announced because that's always the first. Um, the head coach there was Dave Preston, and um, I remember I was trying out for B team that year too. So I went to B team tryouts, didn't play great, uh, got cut, and then uh, David messaged me. He was, "Hey, I, uh, I want to select you for the PC team." And I'm like, "It was like the same selection." Um, so I was like, "Yes, definitely want to do that." And so we trained at Mac for a week. Uh, another great roster for that team. And I was like, okay, like my like I'm I'm grinding for this. So that weekend at Mac, I was like cutthroat in practice. I was going at it. Like I was like, I, I want this spot. And um, so we had the opening ceremonies on the sixth, I think, and we were playing on the eighth. And we had a, so we had an exhibition on the eighth in the morning when we got back from the so we got back from the ceremonies at. 2 a.m. and we had an exhibition against Chile at uh, 9 
So Dave's like, okay, get, like, get some food, get to bed right away. Like, you're not going to have a lot of sleep tonight. And so I just, like, we all just kind of, like, loaded our plates up, ate. Well, little did I know that I got food poisoning that night. Oh, gosh. So I didn't go to the game against Chile. I lost 12 pounds. And so I'm, like, I'm just, I can't, like, like it's just terrible. And so we're playing Brazil for our opening match the day after that. And I'm like, holy crap, I, I'm tired, I can't do anything. And Dave came up to me, he was like, hey, you good to go? And I'm like, yeah. Dave, I was like, I didn't even think about it. I'm like, let's go, let's do this. And I remember we, we finished the game, we lost 3-1. And it was like 4 p.m. I think when we got back, and I was like, I'm going to bed. This is, <laughs> I got to rest for the next match tomorrow. Um but it was it was an interesting because it's PCU like a it's like a week and a half tournament and you won't, you you play all your games you get one day rest between the uh, the pool play and the quarters and then you that's it. Yeah, help me out again. I always say the the listeners enjoy a name drop, but really I think it's it's starting to be for me. So who was on this uh, second roster? You mentioned Coach Preston from Mac is the head coach. Who else was on the squad? Yeah, so we had uh, Dylan Mortensen on the right side from uh, Sask. Just a, he, he tore up that tournament. I think he was the seventh or eighth leading scorer. Um, then we had uh, Jordan Freire as our lib. Uh, on the left, we had Zach Hutchison, Craig Ireland, and uh, Seth Friesen. Then we had uh, George Hoburn, John Moe, Warren Taylor, and Mason Metcalf in the middle. Um, and then for setters, we had Blaine Cranston from Calgary and Reese Dixon. Nice, nice. And we've had Coach Preston on the show before, and I think he really takes pride in his planning and his periodization that like nothing happens by accident is, is the sense I get. And he's so open to sharing that it was just great to learn from him. Um, I'm curious with you spending most of your career, like even Fisu playing for Coach Gravel, was there some similarities? Was there some differences? Like, well, what did you enjoy about working with uh, Coach Dave Preston? It was different. I remember I was really excited to to like learn from Preston just to kind of see like what the differences were. And honestly, it was pretty similar to just like how they did things in general, like, you know, game planning, um, practice like layouts. And I was like, okay, like, this is, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty similar people, Dave and uh, James. So it was, it was interesting, but it was just that like hearing it, hearing something from someone else sometimes just like it, it, it registers differently, which was nice. So I, I learned some different things, even though it was only like, a week of training and gameplay, but it was definitely really cool to see um, the differences in coaching styles. Yeah, definitely. And just to fast forward a little bit here, um, so being you know at national team tryouts, being at, at FISA Games twice, did that help keep you on the radar for this National Excellence Program? Because obviously COVID has is, is paused the world right now, but I think it's cool what Coach Dan Lewis and Volleyball Canada is doing to, to get the National Excellence Program going and getting out so people can still train. But how did you get into that program? Because uh, we, we were talking before the show, that's like a who's who right now of who's available in U sports and available to train in Canada. Like, how did you get on that list? How did the invites work? Like, just take me through the, the start of the process that, you know, COVID pauses the season. You don't get in nationals at the end of that last year for U sports. But now the, this program starts and, and guys are training and ready to be pro ready or national team ready, it, it sounds like. Yeah. So uh, they opened up the program, I believe, in September. Uh, it was just, it was a small group and they only had like 12 guys then. Um, and then, uh, they, they, we did it this semester 
And so uh, Dan called me in uh, late late December and was like, hey, would you be interested? I, I think before you even finished the sentence, I was like, yep, I'm in. Yep. When I, I don't care when we start. I don't, whenever, whenever you need me there, I'm in. And so I was so excited to get that phone call because everything has been shut down. Like we were, we were training in Windsor, um, September to end of November ish. And then things kind of hit the, hit the brakes. But, um, that's why I was, I, so I didn't get invited to your first semester and I wasn't, I was, I, I wasn't not upset, but, um, I also had training still. But the fact that I got trained to like got invited here this semester and there's no training there, I was much more happy because I am trying to get ready to go pro next year and having a full happy year off would have really hurt. Yeah. And take me behind the scenes here. Cause I'm always curious when these all-star teams come together, but you start looking around and all of a sudden, you know, there's a couple Queens guys over there. There's some Canada West guys over there. Like what is like the team building going on? Or is there honestly just like this, this unwritten rule that because we're there representing Canada, there's no rivalries or, or too much chirping going on when you add in all these alpha players who have battled before. It's funny you say that because I'm living with the three Queens guys, <laughs> Dax, uh, Eric and Zach. Um, so I feel like I'm a little bit outnumbered and, we, and you know, we, we've talked about, you know, our, teams do things differently outside of practice and we all do jokes and stuff about our teams but it's basically as soon as dan blows that whistle to start it's you know we're all part of team canada and we're all training together to make each other better there's no like um because obviously there's a lot of guys going back to university next year there's no like oh i don't want to help that guy out because you know i'm playing against them next year i see like guys going out of their way to be like hey i, I saw that you do this I mean, try this next time. Like, just, like they're trying to actually improve them because they, they see this as they're trying to improve their country's level of volleyball, which is awesome. Yeah, I got to go to Gatineau. Lionel, the the stat genius there with the men's indoor program, he hosted and taught a bunch of coaches around the country how to use data volley. And I, I was trying to set up an interview with Joey Jarvis at the time, and he sent me a copy of the schedule when it was FTC, and it was it was pretty heavy in terms of there was two a days, there was weights, there was a nutrition presentation. Uh, Coach Dan Lewis seems like he he doesn't sleep. He's sending video at all hours of the day, just trying to get guys to review stuff. So uh, I'm curious, what's your impression of the NEP schedule? If you wouldn't mind, just uh, if there's such thing as a typical week, just outlining like what what the squad's doing, how you guys are recovering and staying ready while still you know beating up on each other and keeping that compete level really high. Yeah, so it's a little different than the normal NEP program because uh, some like a lot of guys still are in school, um, so they, they, some guys do miss uh, some practices, usually the morning ones. Um, and so for for me, I, I graduated last semester uh, just because I realized I wasn't going to go back to school, so I kind of fast tracked my degree and finished early. And so this is really nice for me because I'm I'm literally just volleyball. Like there's no school, there's nothing else. So the typical week for me is. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, all the same. It's uh, on court slash weights from 9 to 12. So we usually go uh, outside, either on court or in the weight room, and then the other group would be middle setters, libs. And so, you know, you're just, like, working on different stuff, like serve machine, passing, and then flip into the weight room, do our weight program. That's, so that takes about anywhere. It could be two hours and then max, obviously, three hours. Um, go back home eat, maybe take a nap, 
And then for me, it's be a nerd and watch volumetrics and watch all the programs that were happening the day before. Um, <laughs> love doing that. I, but I'm probably around like two or three matches a day now watching. <laughs> Some people would say it's kind of bad, but I love it. So I'll do that and then go back to practice uh, from four to seven. And those afternoon sessions are more, um, you know, warm up, get ready. And then it's kind of some kind of wash drill we're doing where there's a, a serve in and then there's a second free ball in to work on what, like whether it's the, the, red, the right side or the C ball um, set that we're working on that week to kind of like emphasize that kind of training. Um, so that's a, that's a typical two a day. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays are just uh, a one-off in the afternoon. Um, so Tuesdays are a little heavier because it's, you know, we're trying to get the start of the week going. And so it's that, you know, kind of same thing, wash drill with a little bit more skills at the start of practice maybe because we only have that one practice. And then Thursdays are dance like deload days. So guys that are feeling maybe a little bit of, Injuries that might be like could lead to a snowball. You're gonna kind of warm up and cool down, and try to make sure that doesn't lead to anything. And then for the guys that are feeling good, we'll play some kind of short court game where there's like specific rules. So we'll play like, two on two short court where the first ball has to be a pancake, and then the second ball has to be like into the net, and then you can play it over or something. Just something to make your mind kind of like activated and get a good sweat on. So just looking at, at the coaches there, obviously Coach Lewis is in charge, and then with Foche, Koski, and, and Ian Ebbett there being a part of it, obviously they have a great plan, and they're going to try to handle the load as much as they can, and it, it's all going to fall under the umbrella of Glenn, who seems to be like the expert in periodization and load, but uh, I'm just curious if you can share your experience, because going to two-a-days, uh, going to three-hour training sessions, like how are you getting your sleep right? How are you getting your food right? How are you making sure that you're physically ready to do this, because Physically, it sounds like a grind, but just mentally getting through a three-hour practice can be a grind, and you guys are doing that every single day, every single week, right? Yeah. So, like, like at first, it was definitely I, I thought it was easier than it was because the first, you know, the first week you're not gonna feel that load um, as much, and then you're just you know having a good time. I haven't played volleyball in a while, so I'm just loving life for that first uh, eight practices. And then Monday hit that, that second week, and I was like, I got hit by a truck. I didn't do enough. I didn't do – I was doing what they were telling me to do, but I wasn't doing it maybe with the precision and, like, the focus I really needed to, like, give that that, that uh, recovery session. So I was like – I kind of, like, I met with the – and I'm still meeting with the mental performance coach, Kyle, and I was like – like, what should I be doing? What What's all this? And so he's giving me a lot of good tips and cues to be doing while I'm while I'm trying to focus on the, the tool at hand or the task at hand, sorry. And which has really helped me in this last week through week three. Like, I, my body felt, like, nearly 100%, um, which is crazy to think about through, uh, like, almost 30 practices now and, and, and no, numerous amounts of workouts. Um, and it's just kind of, like, changed how I'm, and like it'll change how I go back to practice when I'm practicing with Windsor and like uh, in the summer before I get ready to go pro and stuff. And it's just I didn't I didn't know that there was so much you could do with your body for volleyball um, outside of the practice, which is really cool. And for new, like nutrition, I've always taken that fairly seriously. And so I kind of I kind of like this because um, I'm training so much more, so I can eat a lot more. 
so my my uh, my diet's a little more lenient because I just kind of need the calories in. So it's it's just kind of fun to kind of play with that stuff, and I get to eat a little more, which is nice because I do love food. <laughs> nice day. Yeah, that reminds me when we had Joey on the show, he talked about there was a, a pizza place in Gatineau that gave all the guys coupons, and uh, Casey Shouten was there, and he he chirped Joey pretty good for ordering a two liter Coke, being like, "Why are you doing that? Like that's going to influence your recovery." And basically had this big plan, and, and Joey's just like, "I don't know, it was on the coupon, man." Like so, it's it's <laughs> interesting to hear how professional guys get with the rehab. That it, it doesn't sound like you're just going to that awesome buffet every day for for lunch and, and dinner, right? You're trying to mix it up and really you know, contribute nutrition to your recovery, right? Oh, yeah. And, like, nutrition is such an important part, I found. Like, if you put garbage in your body, it's kind of what you're going to feel like the next day. So, you know, it's it's it can get kind of boring sometimes. Um, so, you know, I, I will mix it up. Like, last night, you know, Friday night, I was like, you know, I really don't want to cook. I don't want anything. So I got, got some Chipotle, you know, which is still, like, a healthy option. But, like, you know, I put some sour cream on there, put some cheese, like, all the, all the good fixings and, I was like, let's, like, it's just, you need a treat every once in a while, but definitely during the week, if you, if you eat well, you'll feel well, I find. Nice. And again, just looking at the list here and you being a real student in the game, just a, a two-parter here. What's it been like having like Daniel JVD there, who's been a vet, who's been to the Olympics, who's like a guy, right? And then you got like Finn, who's already played pro. And then on the other end, you got a guy like Aaron Elser, who I think is still technically in high school, right? So are you finding that you're helping be a leader for some of the younger guys? And then also, you know, really going after Jansen Van Dorn about like, what was pro like? What are the Olympics like? What do like, what can you learn from kind of everybody in this situation? Yeah, with Van Dorn, I'm, I'm kind of the same how I was with uh, Irvin Coleman at the first feast. Too. I'm like in his ear all the time, just asking questions. And uh, he's such a great guy too. like, um, considering he's just... He's, he's like the vet here, right? Like by, by and far, he's the guy right now. And he's recovering from injuries, so he's still not fully in all the drills we're in. But he is the leader out there. He's run, He's like, he's if something's going wrong, he's talking about it, which is so like, it's really cool to see how he functions. And then it's really cool to hear all his stories and um, his experience in volleyball. But with guys like uh, Elser, like, man, he's a stud. For, he's 17. Uh, well, like, obviously, I, I talking to him, I know he's 17, but when you see him play, he's good. So it's, it is interesting, though, like, you know, I, he was here last semester. And so my, my first week here, I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm like the guy to tell people stuff. Like, I'm, I'm new here. I'm the newbie. But it's uh, as like that first week went by, it's like, guys don't care about that. It's kind of like, you know, if you have something to say, say it. Um, and the same thing for me, if I see something either I don't like you're doing or that I like you're doing, I'm going to comment on it. So it's kind of nice. Like there's no real, you don't feel that age really. You just kind of see like knowledge given and knowledge being taken. Like it's really, it's really cool here. Yeah, that that is very cool to hear about. I'm wondering if you could just give an example of what coach Dan Lewis does to build that culture. Cause again, to piggyback off of Joey's episode, one thing that stood out to him was when somebody was doing poorly in practice, Dan thought it was the responsibility of the group to pick that guy up and let him know that like either that's below standards with your effort and intensity or to kind of just pick him up emotionally to let him perform where he didn't think that was the coach's job. And then the, the big running joke we have with a bunch of the FTC guys is like Dan never sleeps, right? Because he's going to send this guy video at 9 a.m. and He's going to send this guy video at like 9.38 p.m. just because Dan knows everybody's schedule and when they're going to be more in tune to actually sit down and watch stuff, right? So as you have any uh, moments with coach Lewis or any of the other coaches who have really, you know, shown how professional and how bought in and supportive they're going to be of every athlete there. Oh yeah. Like 
it seems that Dan takes time at like every practice to individually get to one guy, which I don't see how that's possible. Even like we have, we, I think we have like 20 guys here and he like, he like finds a moment and sometimes it's more than a moment to like really work with a guy. And if he doesn't get to them that time, you kind of notice that like you'll, he'll get to them the next practice. But um, he's built such a good program here that like you said, like we've had practices where say a ball gets dug and then, no one really goes for that second ball because, like, they think it's someone else's responsibility. And the first time it happened, I remember him saying, like, you guys have to be on each other about that. Like, you have to hold each other to the highest standard. Like, that's unacceptable. Going, going on and on. And I was just like, I've never really, like, had that view of a coach before because usually a coach would just get mad and be like, come on, guys. Like, you need that. But, like, go on about it. But his thing was, like, you need to hold each other to a high standard, which is really cool. Man, this this is awesome, and I could go on and on about this all day. But I I, I did promise you an hour, and we're kind of getting to the end. But I I did want to touch on one point. Uh, you mentioned you did a great job with your studies, and, and you've you've got your degree, so that's going to allow you to go pro next year. How is that process looking? Obviously, COVID creates a little bit unknown. But how have you found just with a a Canadian guy who's been to FISU? Like, do you have an agent? Have you started talking to clubs? Like, how is the process going to look for you? Hopefully, uh, re- representing Canada as a pro next year overseas, right? Yeah, so I, uh, as soon as our season got canceled this year in end of October, I uh, I signed with um, Bo Dan Olentu, who has played played pro for I think he said 17, 16, 16 seasons. So he's, he's he's kind of played all over the place. He's started his own agency, um, and so I've been talking with him a lot. And there has been issues. Like I, I was trying to go to go pro because I wasn't sure about this NEP thing um, for like the second uh, half of the seasons wherever I could go and there was just such an issue with um, them not wanting to take guys for just the second semester they were worried about it and so there's been issues with that but um, for next year it's looking like I've been talking to them a lot like there's there's options in some good leagues so I'm really excited about that so I'm just kind of waiting to see waiting for those teams to finish up their seasons and see what they need to reload with and then uh, hopefully sign pretty soon that's awesome man an easy guy to root for and it's glad to i'm glad to hear that you have a plan and everything's kind of fallen into place because you've, you've worked your tail off to get where you are and it's just exciting to see what else you can do uh just looking at my my notes here i did have one more question because you you've hinted at it a couple times real student of the game and i'm always curious with this because yeah i think volumetric is amazing and i could watch as many beach matches as i can in a day and the way they cut out the dead time and you can filter out diff- different positions and different skills it, it's amazing but what tips can you give to a younger player about like who to watch or what you're looking for? Cause I think it's, it's easy to get appealed by some of the best players, but like for some of our women, like it doesn't make sense to always watch Sarah Pavin because she's so physically gifted. She's six, five where maybe just the body type and athleticism doesn't match. Right. So how are you picking and choosing what games you want to watch, what player you want to shadow, what situation you're looking for? Like, cause, cause there's so much video out there. You can just get lost in it, but how do you filter through and make sure that you're, still getting something out of it versus just being a fan and watching a bunch of games. Yeah. So I have my, uh, I used to be like a watch, just like a cool game, like, you know, USA versus Brazil and then just watch it all. and be like, Oh, this is so crazy. But then like, you know, I'm, I'm not a Matt Anderson build, you know, it's just, that's not who I am. So I like was, I, Gravel told me to do this actually. It was like, you know, find players who are similar to your playing style, like your height, your size and like see what they do. And so, um, I started looking a lot like Kubiak on Poland. He's exactly my height. Um, and just how he sees the game is so crazy. It's just 
every time he like gets set or passes, like he knows what's gonna happen after that, and like what's the best situation to like do and do it do a certain like uh, spike. And so it's just really interesting to like look at the game that way, and because you're not even watching the volleyball game anymore, you're just, you're just watching the player and seeing like you know how he reacts after a point or how he. Um, holds himself, you know, when other teammates mess up. And it's just really interesting watching that. And so like, I, I kind of watch other guys too, like, you know, uh, Ingepest is a little flashy for me. I don't have that, that kind of style. But de- <laughs> definitely his, uh, his playing, his, uh, his brain is really interesting to kind of like look at because he'll do things that you wouldn't think would work and then they work great. So it's kind of, you know, same, same height as me, same kind of... Uh, build so it's really interesting watching him, him play that style too which really changed a lot for me like flipping that kind of like watching volleyball for fun and then watching volleyball to get better and I thought I was watching volleyball to get better at first but now it's like you really notice a difference when you start looking at the game in a different way yeah it's a really good point and I'm curious with you being so into video when you watch your own video how are you walking that line between I have a standard and I want to get better versus like being too hard on yourself? Cause I think players can get bogged down and really, you know, start to go into a cycle about, Oh, I should have done this. I can't believe I did that versus, Oh, you know, next time, like I can see my, my position, I'm going to start this way or I'm going to move my left a little bit smoother or whatever it might be. Right. So how do you kind of walk the line of watching these pro players and seeing what they can do, but also doing some, some self-reflection and using video for that process as well. Yeah, I definitely watch a lot of my own video. Um, and I, I, I'm definitely, I, I get too hard on myself sometimes. And it's funny you said that because this week I was working with Ian off the, uh, Ian Ebbett off the uh, service machine. And he like gave me a cue and it worked really well. It, it helped a lot. And then he came up to me in our scrimmage the, the, in the afternoon the next day. And it was like, hey, like those were some, you looked way better. And my response was, yeah, but, and then I went off on a couple things. He was like, dude, I'm giving you a compliment. You played good. Just take it. Like, stop, <laughs> stop, stop drowning on the negative. Which, I, and I was like, huh, yeah, like, I guess I did play pretty good. I was just like, I'm always like, um, oh, I could have done that better. I could have done that better. But, like, I, I play a sport where, you know, if you hit 33%, that's a really good game for an outside. Like, which is interesting. Like, 33% of the time you get a kill. It's like, huh. That's that's weird to think about, right? Because you know, if you have a thirty-three percent free throw percentage, you're not playing basketball. Like it's so it's it's just weird to look at it that way. Yeah, that's a good point. And hearing Ian catch you doing it right and following up, I think is a great coaching moment. And I'm curious for some of our coach listeners or younger players listeners. Do you find time to coordinate with the coach that you might spend a lot of time working on? I don't know, let's pick a random example. You want to serve from one to one and you want the ball to tail through the seam, but maybe during practice you're not serving. So you just invested all this time into feedback and you didn't get an opportunity to do that skill, right? So are you in tune with what the plan is that when you go home and you do self-reflect and do some review that you're going to get like the action the next day to try it? Or how do you manage that about picking and choosing when, when's the moment that you want to work on something so you'll have a chance to fix it physically versus just like drowning in this video and, and reflecting? Yeah, it's it's kind of tough that way because like, first of all, you want you want to try to learn everything at once, um, but obviously that's just that's too much information. You're you're not going to learn anything. So the coaches are pretty good at like trying to like work on the stuff we're working on that week at practice. Um, but definitely like I'll ask them questions and try to like figure out kind of like you know maybe 
too far in advance, like because like my surveys I'm working on right now, um, and so right now like you know Dan's trying to work on like the the spin to flow with me. He's like you know just we're not focusing on the serve right now, so like just find it, just like work with it. Don't be mad when you miss. Don't be like um, mad when you like you make like a, a a bad a serve over, but maybe it's like in a bad situation. Like just work on it and find what's right, and then once we finally start to work on the actual um, service in the week, like we can, we can dive more into it, which is awesome. Yeah, no, it's really good because like I said, there's so many skills and so many layers that you want to make sure I, to me, it always comes back to the physical action. Like we're doing motor learning here. We're not just watching video and, and that fixes it. Right. So it's cool to hear that you always have a plan and man, that schedule, you're going to get a ton of reps doing a lot of different skills. So as long as you've, you've mapped out what you want to get out of it, it sounds like the, the sky's the limit really. So Good to hear about the program and everything you're up to. Uh, one thing we're making a tradition on the show is just to end with a, a funny story, whether it be something from the road or something volleyball's given you. But uh, I was hoping you could give us a laugh after your awesome interview here just to help close it out. My first year, over the winter break, we went to Laval and Montreal for a, to play both of them. And we were staying in the hotel across from Laval. We had a, a morning scrimmage. And so we hadn't been to the gym yet and Gravel hadn't been there since they had built the new gym. And so none of us knew where we were going. And so we asked the concierge at the hotel and he's like, yep, go down the road, turn right. And then you can walk through the field. There'll be a path. We're like, awesome. So we go out, you know, there's so much snow there. And we're from Windsor and we get no snow. And uh, so we start walking, turn right. And then we go to turn left to walk through the field. Well, what he didn't tell us was that's the, that's the route you take during the summer. And so we're having to climb through. And I think it had to have been about five and a half feet of snow in this like field where like it was just thrown into the, like with a plow. Because at one moment, we lost Nolan Langley. We couldn't see him. He was fully under the snow. Like we're like, we're, all of us are like, you know, waist, chest deep, like trying to hike through the snow. And Nolan's gone. Like, we can't see him. <laughs> and so we finally, like, we make it through. It was, it was, it took us, like, 20 minutes to get through when it was only, like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, 30 meters of snow. Like, it, was, it wasn't that long. But, like, it's just so much snow to get through. So we're, like, having to hike up. And so we get into the gym, and we're all soaked. We're so wet and cold. And that kind of, like, summed up our, like, our season that year because it was just such a – kind of a lunch bag let down but like it was just such a funny um year of like silly silly mistakes like that it's like we could have gone left and gone in the easy route which is the route we took on the way out and <laughs> but no we took the hard way obviously and we did all these like silly things so it was just kind of funny that's that's hilarious and yeah i can imagine if you guys would be pretty exhausted actually because climbing through that much snow is not that easy and like you said in windsor you're just not used to it right Oh no! Yeah, well, when I came up here, I had to buy a winter coat because I, I didn't have a winter coat in Windsor. Like I just would wear like a little jacket and I'd be fine. But uh, God knows, not not quite as warm. 
Oh, man. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for everything you shared. I mean, I've been a big fan of your game, but it was good to connect and chat. And, you know, maybe those Chatham Kent guys aren't so bad after hearing your story. I think you're a really easy guy to root for. And thanks for sharing so much. And I, and I feel like we'll have to get you back on soon because there's probably more stories to tell and more lessons to give. But for now, thanks for dealing with some technical difficulties at the start and taking the time. I know I woke you up maybe a little bit early on your rest day, but best of luck with your your kind of second semester there with NEP. And Looking forward to what else you can get up to in our sport here. Oh, thanks for having me. Like I said, a huge fan of the show, so I'm happy to come on.